Glory to God. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, hopefully you do, or your electronic device. We do have most of the scriptures up on PowerPoint, um, but it's still, nevertheless, don't, don't get lazy about it. Amen. Learn to open up your own Bible, because yes. outside of church, that's really what the pattern should be. We should be, able to, we should be opening up our Bible and getting familiar with where it is. I remember years ago when Steve first gave me a Bible... And having grown up Catholic and then becoming Lutheran, it was like, I have a Bible. Now what do I do? <laughs> Where do I go? How do you, how, what do you do? Huh? <laughs> the pages are all kind of stuck together. But it's, day, it's one day at a time. Yes. So, you know, no matter where you are in your walk with God, you feel like, I have never really read the Bible. Well, today's the day to begin. Amen. You could just begin to become familiar. And it's amazing how... Little by little, even if it feels like a snail's pace, you will make progress if you read every day. If you read every day. Come on. I, I can remember that years ago after I began to read the Bible. And probably after about a year or so, and you start to read through the Gospels, and you're listening to messages, and you're going to church, and you start to talk to people in my family, and they were like, where, where are you getting this? Where'd you get all this knowledge? It was like, I, don't, I just started to read the Bible because there's wisdom in it. Amen. And so I would just encourage you, don't, don't give up and feel like, well, if you're on the chronological, I'm behind, you can still just catch join up. in. Either catch up or just begin right where we are. Just don't quit. Right. All right. You'll make progress if you just make a decision not to quit. So, all right, open up your Bible to 1 Peter. We're going to finish the letter to 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 5 today. We're going to look through and read through the whole chapter. Um, and we're going to focus in, you know, one whole chapter. It's 14 verses only. It's really not that long. We're going to focus in on three areas that we feel like this chapter uh, promotes or, or focuses in on. And mm -hmm. it has to do with servant leadership. It talks about leadership in the church. And uh, the need for humility and submission, that we all work together in unity and humility and submission. And you see this theme in First Peter. If, if you've been reading through it, hopefully you have, because yeah. it's taken us for so long. You might forget what was in chapter 1. But there's a lot of theme about humility and yes. submission when you, when you do read through First Peter. And he's going to mention it again here in chapter 5. And then the importance he's talking about learning to cast our care, cast our worries onto God. A biggie for us in this day and time we live in. Amen. <laughs> and then he mentions resisting the devil. That we have an adversary. And so contrary to public Christian opinion even, we've yeah, been sharing these I'm stats with you that crazy. You know, 50% of the church doesn't really believe that the devil is real. Well, we'll just look at one scripture today that will debunk that whole yeah. understanding. <laughs> All right. Just one. Yeah. So let's just pray before we begin to approach the Word of God. Father, we thank you so much that we have the written Word of God. Yes. The Word that you say is forever settled in heaven, mm. that heaven and earth will pass away, but your Word will never pass away. And you've given us your Word that we could build our life upon it. Yes. We can stand upon truth in knowing that it's an anchor for our soul. Lord, there's so much in this Word for us to understand it's all about your kingdom, mm. Jesus, that you came to bring to us. That your kingdom, we, we pray that this morning, Lord, that let your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We, we are a part of that kingdom. Open up our eyes, Lord, 
to see that we are living in the kingdom now. We want to yes. use our life for the sake of your glory. And manifest yes. your kingdom. And meet, Lord, I, I know everybody's come into this building today with their own needs and thoughts and worries and cares. Father God, I pray that we come in expectation. We come in faith. We approach you by faith. Yes. Speak. Holy Spirit, speak to each one individually. Speak to us as a church, as a church body. Show us things to come. Help us, Lord, to continue to take steps deeper into the knowledge of you and into mm. the blessing, Father God, that your life has given us. We love you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, we're going to start reading 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. It says, to the elders who are among you, this is Peter, the Apostle Peter writing this, the, to the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, Yes. shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, and not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples mm -hmm. of, to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Verse 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greet you. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. So Peter starts off, he's urging the leaders of the churches to be faithful, to faithfully serve the people who are under them uh, as a shepherd of for the flock. He's, he calls them elders and, and shepherds. And this is this pretty uh, straightforward. He doesn't want people to come into uh, being a leader in the church with an ego problem, with a uh, kind of I'm better than you attitude. It's not for selfish gain, he's saying. It's not to actually lord over people or dominate them. It's to serve the people that God has put before you. And they are to be an example of Christ himself that people would look up to and want to emulate their lives. 
And this is, even in suffering, because we're reading, remember this, Peter? Peter's writing to these churches that are persecuted in such a way that it is devastating. Uh, people are being martyred. And so P- Peter is, is, this is why we're going to go into it so deeply, because he's, even these people are saying, cast your care on him. It's pretty amazing. But you see Peter here, he starts off as a humble servant. He doesn't say, you know, I'm Peter. I was one of the chosen 12. I'm in the inner circle with Jesus. I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know me, I walked on water. Nobody else got out of the boat. (laughs) He's not saying any of that. He's humbling himself, and he's, he says that I'm a, an also an elder. You're a fellow elder. A fellow elder. I'm, I'm with you here. He's not trying to uh, throw elbows around saying, you better listen to me because I, I know Jesus. But here's the thing. God designed the church to have a shepherd over the flock. This is God's idea. It's to accomplish the mission that he's given to the church, to all Christians, is to go out and seek and save the lost, to bring uh, the truth of God's word to people. The Holy Spirit's uh, job is to convict people of their sin. You are to walk them through how to be born again and then make a disciple. Mm -hmm. We don't just want to make converts. We want to make disciples. Because we want people to stand firm no matter what the situation is in their life. It, it's Without a leader, you're not going to get too much accomplished. We know that. And God has designed his church to have leaders and followers that work together to accomplish his, his goal. And it's church leadership is not about having a title. It's not about having the title. It's about giving your life to the people that are in front of you. And that goes for every single one of us because it's nothing special. It's just an example that Christ gave the church. We're to give our lives over for other people. And this is how we're going to accomplish it is by the mutual submission and walking together arm in arm, so to speak. We see here in verse 2, it says, The shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. And now we see that term shepherd and overseers, that really kind of helps us describe the function of an elder or a pastor. We're to feed the flock. We're to uh, watch over the flock and and bring them to a place of uh, understanding their value that they have in Christ. And be so excited about Jesus that you can't help but go tell somebody else. We want to be like Jeremiah. I tried to be quiet, but it's like fire in my bones. I have to tell people. (laughs) And, you know, the early church, because there were no seminaries or anything like that, you know, these people were just getting saved and the Holy Spirit was moving upon these people. Some of them had understanding of, of the Old Testament and some didn't. But these were normally uh, older people who were, you know, uh, had a, um, a, a life that was valued, that was looked up to in the community. And these were people, well, this is why he had to write to Timothy, don't let anybody look down on your, on your life because you're young, because most of the people were older people. 
and so that they were respected, and so that helped establish churches with what they were doing. And you'll find other uh, requirements from the Bible about a pastor, and you'll find it in Titus. You'll find it in uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. These are things that you should look at. They're, they're really important for us to look at because this is something that we want to emulate all of our lives, especially we want to... You know, in this day and age where things are going pretty wild, as a Christian, you are belonging to a different kingdom. There should be a big difference. There should be a big difference. And we've got to understand we don't do this in our own strength. We do it in his strength. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so spiritual. The reality of being a Christian is it's impossible But yet, as we yield to God, as we yield to the scriptures, as we yield to one another, you know what? Christ is being formed in us. And his character we're going to manifest here on this earth. Praise God. It's good. So so leaders, Peter is saying, leadership is a big responsibility because you're setting an example in front of yes. people. And everybody in some form or fashion is a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader. Right. If, if you're on the job and you have some a, a bit of management, you know, supervision, you're a leader. And so we are setting examples by how we live. And it's important. So leaders have a big responsibility, especially in the church. But followers have a big responsibility too. You know, leadership alone can't get the job done. You right. need good. You need leadership, and you need followership. If you, if that's a word, I don't know, but <laughs> it is today. <laughs> it is today. Yeah, <laughs> and it goes back really to what Peter was talking about in these other chapters. Everybody has a gift. I mean, I thought about what he said in chapter two. You know, he said that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Yes. You know, that you're called out of darkness into light to set forth. You know, the glorious. Uh, things of God, like that we are supposed to be showing forth who God is in the earth. And then he talks about submission in some of those chapters, mm-hmm. about submitting in marriage. And, and here he's talking about younger submitting to the older. And so everybody has a gift, and we, we can't all just come together and just figure it all out. God has appointed people, and God has gifted people to lead and some people to follow, but it all really is in a mutual submission. We're all doing this in a servant-hearted way so that God's mission, it's not our mission, it's his mission we're trying to accomplish. And so for the sake of unity, Peter writes in this letter, he calls on those being led, he says to submit, submit themselves to the leaders and to one another. In other words, act Act with a heart of humility towards one another. This is chapter, verse 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, this is a good lesson for family life. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? For Here. God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So what is submission? We talked about that some weeks ago in in those previous chapters. Submission is when you willingly place yourself Mm -hmm. under someone's leadership by choice and you do it with a good spirit. Yeah. It's not like, oh, okay. 
you may even disagree, but you're doing it for the sake of the office if you say that a person holds. Mm -hmm. You're showing respect for that office and you're going, okay, I'll submit with a good spirit. But of course, what's the biggest difficulty with submission? Pride. <laughs> and what's the, what's the biggest problem with leadership sometimes? Pride. Yeah. And so you look at the, what Peter writes, it's like, what's the answer to both of them? There we go. Humility. Humility and submission are the key. And these things are hard, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, and Peter uses this word picture. Notice it says there in verse 5, be clothed with humility. Be clothed with it. This is not something you're forcing yourself to do. You're mm -hmm. willingly, intentionally clothing yourself. It's like a piece of clothing. You're putting it on willingly. And that's not easy. If you're living in a hostile environment or people are against you, whatever yep. it is, there's just tension. It's like clothe yourself in humility because our pride wants to fight back, have its way, have its say, retaliate. This is what I think. Peter says, clothe yourself with humility. That's a, that's a nice word picture. Uh -huh. So think of it this way, like before you go to school or before you go out to work or before you start your day, you put on some humility. You like go to your closet, open the door, and you, you look for that humility. Where is that piece of clothing? It's probably, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably way in the back. It's like it's not really the one I want to put on, but it's the most important. It's like put it on. Clothe, right. clothe yourself with yeah. it. Go to your yeah. closet, clothe yourself with it intentionally. Put on some humility. We have to do this intentionally in respect for the Lord and in respect for other people. Right. And what does that mean? Like, I'm not going to think more highly of myself than I ought. You know, I'm going to treat people the way, in, with the respect that I want to be treated. Yes. Show them that kind of respect. Why? Because Peter says God resists the proud. We don't want God's resisting us, do we? No. No. He ah. resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace. There we go. That's his power and his favor to the humble. Then who has control over that? We do. Yes. Because he's saying, put on, yeah. clothe yourself. Yeah, choose. We have to choose it, mm -hmm. like to have a teachable spirit. Yes. A, 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 a humble spirit, one that's not going to just retaliate. Yeah, you 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 fail to put that on, and you know it's it's God's not neutral about it. It says it, it, he he's not indifferent about it. He says he opposes yeah, you. Some translations will say uh, God opposes the proud. Opposes the proud. Yo, man, where's that closet? Is what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. This, this might be the reason your day's going bad. <laughs> you know, let's face it. You know, we want, there are times we all fall into it. We want everybody to fit into our mold, don't we? You know, fit into my mood. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but you know, our kingdom is completely different. It's, it's, it's totally upside down to the world's system. That is for sure. And if you're finding that your day is struggling, maybe you should see what you're wearing. Come on. Because you can put it on really fast, especially when you know God is resisting you. It's like, oh, I'm going to the closet. Yeah. Then you come back out like Superman. <laughs> Well, humility. humility. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, it, it gives you supernatural powers because you, he's saying, 
It's a characteristic of Jesus Christ. You're yeah. putting on Christ is really what you're doing when you put on humility. Yeah. You know, when we keep fighting for our own way, don't you, can't you just tell the tension just keeps building? Yeah, just, I don't want to wear that garment. So it's like, <laughs> all right, have it your way because things just. Yeah, tension starts building, arguments start to happen. You know, let's face it, contention rises up. And what does it do? It robs your home of the peace that's supposed to be in the yeah, house. Yeah. We all know it. We've all been there. We've all failed this test. But here, here's God good enough to tell us, here, put that garment back on because it's so much better. Yeah. The atmosphere of your home can be heavenly. It really can be. And when we clothe ourselves with this humility, it, it says to submit to one another. It doesn't ever say... Have it your way. That's a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) You know, God tells us in, Scripture tells us in Ephesians too, take off the old man. It's interesting. He uses this clothing word picture frequently in Scripture. Yeah. To take off the old man, put on the new man, that we have to intentionally wear this clothing. And you have to do it by faith. Yeah. Yes, you do. You have to do it by faith. And then, you know, as soon as you put on that clothing of humility, guess what? Here comes the test. You're not getting your way. Oh, okay. We can work around that. Why? Why do we want to keep doing this? Because God lifts up the humble. I'd I'd rather have God lift me up than me lift me up. Yeah. Because when God exalts you, there's nobody going to take that away. Yeah. You know, look at verse 6 here. It goes on to say this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7. This is another thing. You know, this Bible is hard to do. Humble yourself. In due time. Yeah. That means like within an hour you're going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah. Might be within. 15 minutes. Within months you may. It might like be a year. It, it could sometimes take a while to see some things come full circle. Look what it says here in verse 7. What does it say here? Casting half your care because I can, I can handle half of it. Uh-huh. All. All. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Yeah. Now, go back to consider the people that Peter is writing to. People are kicking in their doors, dragging them off to prisons, beating them. Some of them are being killed. And here's, here's Peter. What does he say? Cast all your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Anybody ever try that? Casting all your cares? What what usually happens? About a minute later, you you got it right back. He says, casting all your cares. Let God carry the load. Let God carry the load. You know, we aren't created to deal with all our anxious thoughts. We're not created to be able to deal with fear. You know, this reminds me of when, I, when my kids were little 
you know, that would be, we'd be out somewhere, and then he'd just hear this, Dad, could you carry this? It's too heavy for me. Well, of course. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're going out, let's say you're at the park or you're walking through the woods or whatever, and they're, they're tagging along, and, and instead of, Dad, can you carry this? Dad, can you carry me? <laughs> <laughs> And that, you know, that makes you feel good as a dad. Listen, if that makes me feel good as a dad, as an earthly father, what do you think that does for God when we tell him, carry me, I can't handle this, it's too heavy, Lord, help me. Because their their little legs, I mean, they couldn't handle it. It's too heavy or they just got worn out, but can you carry me? Oh, of course. (laughs) It's great. It, God doesn't say, I'll take it from you. What does he say? He's inviting us to roll our cares over to him. He's inviting us. Why? Because it takes faith. It takes faith. Sometimes it takes more faith just to roll it and let him handle it than you trying to figure it all out. Because you're, you've got it figured out. But when you roll your care over to God and let him take care of it, it's faith, and faith pleases him. That's right. yeah. it's, it's humility. It really is. You intentionally give God your problems. You intentionally give God your anxiety. You intentionally give him the fears you're dealing with. We're not supposed to carry this load. We're not. It's too heavy for us. It breaks us down both emotionally, physically, mentally. You know it does. It's like carrying an extra 100 pounds yeah. of weight wherever you go. Yeah. It's not cool. We become depressed. We become despondent. We become listless. We, yeah. we become hopeless yeah. if we just keep running that route. Right. And all the while, here's what God's saying. I'll take it. Yeah. Give it to me. And we've got to remember, it's not like what Pastor Mamie just said. You know, he, if you humble yourself, he's not going to exalt you to, in an hour. It might happen. But just like this, we've, how long did it take you to get into this mess? And now you want God to fix it in 15 minutes? Sometimes the mess that we're in is because we have had a pattern of thinking for yeah. decades yeah. that needs yeah. to be replaced. Yeah. If you, if this next, uh, we have verse seven here. This is the amplified oh, this is really version good. of this verse, and the tense that it writes it in. It says, "Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him." And so, when you read it in the Greek, mm-hmm. the uh, the understanding is this is meant to be a lifestyle. This is how a Christian is supposed to live with this sense of when, I, when worries and anxieties come, and they will, they'll come to all of us, they just naturally come to us. You're never going to live without a worry thought. Right. But that we, could, we train ourselves to live a worry-free life. It almost sounds crazy, impossible, 
But that's what that tense in that Greek means, once and for all. Cast the whole of your care, all mm -hmm. your anxieties, all your concerns on him. Once and for all, live this way. Yes. For he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. That should help us understand why it's easier. Tell our soul, our mind, he's watching over. He, yes. He's affectionately watching over. Just like what Pastor Steve was saying when the child is like, can you carry this for me, Dad? It's too heavy. Of course, huh? I'll take it for you. The understanding of the heart of our Heavenly Father yes, there we go. is so important. And, and some of us, and I know I've been there. I mean, this is for 30 years now walking with the Lord or so. It takes a while to keep learning over and over yeah. again. Cast your care, cast your care. But... Some, some of us are wondering why my prayers aren't answered. I'm praying. Why am I not seeing what I want to see? But like you said, this is an act of faith. And, yeah. and faith and worry don't mix, really. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, your worry and your anxiety is nullifying yeah. your prayer. It's like we pray a prayer, ask God to help, and then all of a sudden we're just mulling over in our mind over and over again. What might happen? What if? Yeah. I don't know. And it's been a basic thinking pattern, like you were starting to say, since we grew, we yep. grew up in the world this way. The world teaches us to worry. We sometimes feel like, well, if I'm not worrying, then I'm not showing any love. Like, oh, I'm so worried about you. I'm, what's going to happen? And we feel like this is showing love to someone. That's and wrong. And, of course, we want to show concern, but not worry. Worry is going to do nothing, really. Right. It's going to do nothing. And so we learn it as we grow up. We learn it from our parents. Some of us have had world-class warriors in our family. You know? It's like if there's any, every day was something to worry about. Oh, I'm hoping and praying, but I don't know. Yo. You know, I'm afraid this might happen. And what if it does? And we just play out all these dark scenarios. And most of them never actually happen. Can I hear an amen to that? Who is that? Yeah. Mark Twain or somebody said that. I've had a great many troubles in my life, and most of them never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I first saw that quote, and I thought, oh, this is me. Like, <laughs> I feel like you, know, you can live in a place of worry in the back of your mind. You could look good to the world, so to speak, ha happy, normal, but it's only in your own personal time away from people that you that you could look at the atmosphere in your mind and say do I worry and it can be a really bad mental habit yes you and think you're accomplishing something you, when you do it and, and you could do it so much because you're listening to your doubts your fears you're mm. bowing down to them the what is that's good you're not really listening to what the Lord is saying casting your care it can become sinful I don't know that we ever really consider worry as a sin but if you are continually painting this picture of doubt in your mind and you're rehearsing it and you're talking to people about it, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. We're saying, this thing is so big, it's, we magnify it so much, and it's almost like you're saying, my God is so little, he can't really do anything. <laughs> it becomes sinful. Yes. And I think if we would see worry as a sin, we would say no to it more in our thought life. Amen. As we catch ourselves doing it, it's like, No. I cast down that imagination because mm -hmm. it's exalting itself above God's care for me. Yes. 
It says he cares for me affectionately and he's watching out for me. Mm. And even Jesus, you know, I think he said this in Matthew 6.25. This is not on PowerPoint. But it would help us just turn there real quick. Yeah. Matthew 6.25, Jesus says this. I would encourage you to, Wait till we get there. if you're Give struggling us. with worry, read this chapter. Especially the end of this chapter. You know, God is not going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. So if he says we could do this, that means we can. But then that's when we start the good fight of faith. Yeah. I mean, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Mm -hmm. Some of your translations might say, Jesus is saying there, take no thought for your life. No thought for your life. Or the Amplified says, therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy and anxious and worried about your life. There you go. What you're going to eat and put on. Because these people were not, these people were relatively poor. Subsistence. Subsistence, yeah. Yep. And so their, their next meal might have been in question. So it's like, what, am I, what are we going to eat? These were real worries. Not like, well, where should we go for, I'm worried about where we're going to go for lunch today. You know, it's, <laughs> these were real concerns. But he's saying, stop being perpetually uneasy and anxious and worried about your life. And he goes on to say, look at how I feed the birds of the air. Yeah. Look at how the flowers are clothed. You know, your worrying is not going to do you any good. He gets to the end of that chapter and he says, seek first the kingdom of there God. There we are. And my righteousness. And then all these other things that you worry about will be given to you. So God wants us to put our eyes on him, not our worries. And so we, we, we come to the Lord, and we have to recognize we need our minds renewed. Like our spirits have been recreated. Yes. We become new creations. We, we like that scripture, all things have passed away, all things are new, all things are of God. But that's in your spirit, your mind, your way of thinking. My mind and my way of thinking needs an overhaul, really. <laughs> yeah. And we, we have still, to admit that. We still think the old way. I wish it was like when you became a new creation, you were born and get everything. Woo, I understand the Bible. I could walk in it. It's, no, our <laughs> minds need renewed. And we're not used to giving up control of our life. This was our safety net. I could figure this out. I could think this out. If I do this, and then if that happens, I'll do that. And sometimes God just sort of, you know, we want all our ducks in a row. God just like pushes all the ducks off the table. <laughs> Trust me. He's like, ah! And we can panic. Right. But it, becoming a disciple is about giving up control of our life. Amen. Giving up our life's control and living a life of trust. And tr simple trust in Jesus and his word yes. can be very difficult. You know, we use this word, just trust Jesus. Just like what you said. You trust him for a moment, then you take it back. What am I going to do? So simple trust. It sounds easy. But it actually can feel heroic sometimes to just go, I'll trust you, even though I don't understand, even though I can't see. We have to just keep practicing letting go. Yeah, that's good. Letting go of the what ifs. I live by the what ifs. What if, what if? I found myself, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's all I think about is what if and the backup plan. I'll have a backup plan in case God doesn't come through here, then I'll do this. Is she stepping on your toes, anybody? No, no, nobody in no, here has no. backup plans. That's right. <laughs> yeah, look around. Maybe. It's... I mean, but God is just saying in the scripture, like, let loose, fall back into Jesus. There we are. 
Take all your anxieties about yourself, about relationships, about people in your life, your health, your job, your money, mm -hmm. all these things. Yeah. Cast it all to the Lord. We have to just pause and do that. Put it in a big box. I like to see, see it sometimes just visually in my head. Like I'm giving this all to you. I'm laying it at your feet because I cannot do this. It's too heavy for me. I cannot figure it out. And that takes humility. Yes. It takes a submissive heart, a willing heart. But he cares for us affectionately. Amen. And he if sure we don't, does. you know, I think if we don't and we, it's like operating in our own measure of pride. And it, we go on to this well, next that's verse true. of eight. You know, take a look at this. What's he telling us? He's, he, he, this is a big clue. It, it dovetails right into verse 8 here. He's talking about worry. He's saying, cast your care upon him. And we've just stated that we do it, but we take it right back. But look at what he dovetails that thought with. Yeah. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. They're not two separate thoughts. It's like your worry gives ammunition to the devil. Like Pastor Mamie says, you got to be aware of what you're thinking. You have to know what you're thinking. You can't just let the movie run. Because this is where the, the spiritual war, the spiritual battle happens right up here. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's, pay attention to your thought life. Amen. Where are you putting your focus? Where are you putting your trust? I mean, really, you have to judge yourself with these things. If we're going to grow, if we want to be mature believers, we have to judge ourselves for these things. And we have to admit, Lord, I, I need some help here. Because we all do. None of us have arrived. But this is, this is really important. We have an adversary who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going to do it to you, and he's going to be relentless at it. That's one good thing about the devil. He is relentless. But you know, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. That's right. And just like Jesus said, his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. We're setting yeah. our face like flint to yeah. give all our cares over to Jesus. And if you think on truth, right? I mean, he, Jesus said, if you abide in my yeah. word, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Set you Set free. Set you free. Exactly. But if so, we start thinking the world system, way of the world, read the newspaper. Oh my fear, gosh, yeah. read that headline. Oh honey, did you see the headline? Headline, headline, headline. Half of them are lies, folks. And cast your care onto Jesus. You know, you have all this stuff about, you know, revenge and hatred. And you, you just any kind of social media, you're going to be able to pick up the thoughts of the world. And if this is your focus, it's going to spiral, spiral, you, <laughs> spiral you down. <laughs> we'll get it. We want to get translated, don't we? We want to go higher, and that means that we have to renew our mind. We've got to understand the battle is in between our ears. It's like, and it's, it's, the quote is right. I've had so many troubles in my life, most of them didn't happen. You just thought about them. You just thought about them. 
This is where the spiritual war takes place. It's in your mind. That's the battle zone. This is why we have to become aware that the devil is roaring. He's like a roaring lion. He is not omnipresent. He is not omnipotent. That means he doesn't, he's not everywhere at one time, and he is not all-powerful. Yeah, that's right. Understand that. That's right. We've got to understand that. Actually, we have more authority in the name of Jesus and standing on the word of God than he does in all of his hosts of hell. He is a defeated foe. Yes. And all we need to do is believe it. Right. We need to know what he says and we need to say what he says. As soon as he comes and tells you you're worthless, he says, oh, no, I'm more precious than anybody on the planet because the Son of God was willing to shed his blood for me. Yeah. There's no value on that. I mean, his, his greatest desire is to shake your faith and trust in God, in God's word, and to draw you away. To from draw a, you away. Draw you away from a relationship with God. This is why you have to judge your thoughts. You know, godly thoughts... Godly attitudes, godly, you know, your, your perceptions on life. There, there are godly ways to think and there are ungodly ways to think. Not just about life, but about people. Everything. Everything. Attitudes. There's un- right. Our attitudes, our responses, everything. We have, to be, we have to judge ourselves because we want to walk in the characteristics of Christ. And that does not mean being a doormat. And let anybody do whatever they want to us. It's not what he's talking about. We're walking, you and I, Pastor Mamie talked about it here. What was it? Second chapter of your royal priesthood. Yeah. A holy nation. A yeah. holy nation. This is you. You don't you're not a doormat. Yeah. You're not. So where do we find godly ways to think, godly ways to talk, godly attitudes? We've got to, right here, right? We've got to be lovers of God's word. Yes. And we have to hang around with the right people. That's exactly right. People who also love God. Yes. Iron sharpening iron. This is so important. This is why we need a group, a body around us. We need a local group, a a church. You know, I, I think about the voice of the world so loud, like, Kids and teenagers just reading this week's statistics oh. about the mental health crisis that our kids and teenagers are facing as a result. Why? I mean, they're not going to say this, but it's a result of listening to the voice of the world. Yes. TikTok, Instagram, you know, Facebook, video games, the, the metaverse, movies, television, just whatever, YouTube, Twitter, just... Their minds are, all of our minds are bombarded, but I think teens and youth are particularly susceptible. Yes. Because a lot of their beliefs aren't even formed fully yet. So this stuff, this, this social media is telling them how to think. And they said the suicide rates, I wrote here, among adolescents has grown by 53%. In 10 years. In 10 span. years, from 2010 to 2020. What? It's, it's a the second, second leading yeah. cause of death for people from ages 10 to 18. Suicide? And you think, this is, this is the age group where your life is before you. It should be budding with hope mm-hmm. and expectation and just joy. I'm going to experience life. And, and here's the other thing. The CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics, 
the U.S. Surgeon General Office, they agreed that we're in the middle, we're in the throes, they said, of a mental health crisis for young people ages 10 and up. In the middle of it. Yet, I think, yet, then we have all this transgender issue. With all the mental health issues going on, you have 10-year-olds that can begin to take pu puberty blocker hormones and, and life-changing hormones, begin to invest their lives into, the, into that and have life-changing surgeries. I mean, if you go online, I, I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's the voice of the world. Yeah. Because these teenagers, it's sad, and we need to be praying for the people around us, our family, teenagers, youth that we know. You know, I was listening to a, a testimony of a young woman. She's probably in her early 20s now, but when she was 19, she wanted to transition from being female to, to male, and she began the transition. And she gave her testimony, and she said, I know that a lot of my friends, and she said, you go on some of these sites, and these sites are just promoting deeply, you know, their kids her age, like, this is the best thing to do, this is the cool thing to do, and here's how I look, and here's what I'm taking, and... She said, but I knew, looking back on it, so many of them struggled with depression and anxiety. She and said, I, I myself hated my body. She had had sexual abuse happen in her childhood. And so there was just insecurities there. There was just, you can imagine, hidden anger all mm -hmm. there. Many of these kids have had histories of sexual abuse. But looking back, she said, nobody had any interest in my mental health. And I'm thinking, this is the mental health crisis they're saying. But when she went to begin her transitioning to Planned Parenthood, she said by the second visit, they were giving me testosterone. They did zero to ask her about her past mental health. Zero. Zero. And within a year after the testosterone, she had her, what they call top surgery. She had her breasts removed. And it was her, her it's just sad, but hopeful because she, long story short, she did give her life to yes. Christ. But before this happened, she said, after that top surgery, she said, they asked me even right then and there, when do you want your hysterectomy? Sent her home right then and there. Sent her home that. that same day. She said, no I looked help in, whatsoever. I, yeah, I looked in the mirror, and she had facial hair. She, had, she looked like a man, but she said, now that my breasts are removed, and she said, but I looked in the mirror and thought, I did the wrong thing. This was not, I should never have done this. And in her testimony, she said, I just knew deep inside it did not fix the pain yeah. of what I was searching to get free from. Then no matter how much I mutilate my body and change my body, those inner deep issues are still there. And I thought, wow, you know, secular research, they say they have no answers. They'll say, we don't know why there's this spike. We don't know why. Algorithms, folks. There's this dysphoria, gender dysphoria, why the confusion? And I think I, we know why. The church should know why. I mean, the devil is working overtime yep. through social media, demonic hordes of just influence in all those ways mm -hmm. to seduce the minds of young people, unsuspecting, to deceive them, to forget God. And this is what this woman, you know, she said now, like looking, she said, as I began to read the Bible. It was just some casual encounter with somebody who gave her a, their testimony about God caring for her. And she said, I was too afraid even to go to church. She said, it took me about a year to even go to church, but I began to read the Bible. And I thought, thank God for the Holy Amen. Spirit. 
but just be able to show you truth one-on-one, -on -one, you know, by just looking in the Bible and, and began to agree that God made us male and female and God knew what he was doing when he made us male and female. And it's the devil and it's darkness who blinds people's minds and tells them this other whole story about mm -hmm. their identity. And so we need to be praying, you know, we, because yes. it says the devil whom he may devour. He may. He, he can't just go out and devour everybody, but you can open the door to be devoured, to be yep. deceived. And you a, open it through your, uh, what you, you look go. at. You exactly. open it through what you're exactly. listening to. You're hanging around with the wrong people. The door's going to open to be devoured. And the secular world and psychology is never going to talk to you about the Lord. They're gonna just going to try to figure this out from some natural, yep. natural standpoint, which actually, when I thought about this, I thought this is pathetic, that they, nobody they, ever know. asked her anything about her past and right. just said surgery and puberty blockers and hormone therapy and future surgeries to change all Without your any parental yeah. uh, guidance. Yeah. And the second time she was in there, yeah. you know, we've got to understand that he... Who's the devil look for? He, he looks for somebody who's confused, right? He, he looks at somebody who has a, a, a door that is open. Angry, depressed, fearful. I mean, all mm -hmm. these things. He, he attacks people. The lion will attack what he perceives as weakness. Amen. Uh, yeah. Being cut off from the pack, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for that isolated one. Yeah. Uh, the devil is not... All-powerful. Man is actually created higher than the devil. Man is actually created higher than the angels. You and I are going to judge angels. See, but he says in verse 9, it says, Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. How do we do this? First thing we need to do is submit ourselves to God. Yeah. James says that. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people are just trying to resist the devil without submitting to God. There is a step-by-step -step process. <laughs> submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's important. The devil's called the God of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He does have power. His biggest thing and his greatest tool is deception. And him being the God of this world, this whole world system is going to feed you lies. That's the only way you're going to know the truth is if you're reading the truth. Yeah, Amen. Right. Because Jesus soundly defeated the devil. This is the victory There's that overcomes no the world, even our faith, our yeah. faith in what he did, our faith that this is a living word, yes. that we could read it and we will get supernatural wisdom yes. to be able to see through the deception and, power. and even to help other people who are stuck in bondage. It's so important that we understand that we are here to bring the kingdom, mm -hmm. manifest it, manifest the kingdom. Look at the, let's, let's just finish with verse 10 and then we'll, we'll okay. begin to close here. But may the God of all peace, 
I think this is not up on PowerPoint, but we'll say it. May the God of all, may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a little while. See, because these things do take time to stand in faith. May he perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. There we are. Boom. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And so there's just no way that we're going to escape suffering for our faith in this life. You know, whether it's actual persecution, like our brothers and sisters around the world are yeah. experiencing physical beatings, persecution, imprisonment, or just suffering in our mind, because there is a suffering that takes yes. place as we learn to stand in faith and humble ourselves and resist worry. There is a suffering in that, to, go, to stand against the ungodly mindsets of the world. And it takes time to renew our minds. This is, this is the day for us to say, today I begin. Yeah. Today I will persevere to the end to renew my mind and stand in truth. Cast my care upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. Go to the Lord. He's watching over us. He affectionately loves us. Watchfully looking over our lives. Help us. Holy Spirit, help us to be doers of that word. Yes. I pray you help us, Lord, to walk a humble life and submit ourselves to your lordship. You are a good God. You have freedom. You give beauty for ashes in our life. You give us living hope. We rest ourselves in you, Lord. And we just we make a determination to follow you all the days of our life. Yes. Establish us, Lord. You say after you've suffered a little while, everyone in this room has some measure of feel like I'm suffering. <laughs> after you've suffered a little while, God, I pray you pour your grace out upon us in our suffering. Your grace will help us to overcome. Establish us, Lord. Strengthen us by your spirit. Settle us, Lord, deep into your heart. Yes. Deep into the trust of you that you will care for us to the end. You will carry us to the end. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Worthy are you, Jesus. Yes. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know that you've ever given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered your life to him, had your sins forgiven, mm -hmm. washed away, made a new creation in Christ, we give you that opportunity. This is also a, a, a work of faith. We have to respond from our heart to what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He rose from the dead to cleanse us, to justify us, that we could be with him and his family, called a son or daughter of God. But we must respond by faith in our heart and say, I believe I yes. need a Savior. Is there anybody here today that desires to do that? It's just a simple prayer. Maybe someone's listening online and desires to do it. Let's just say this prayer together. Jesus, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. 
I make you Lord and Savior of my life today. I make you Lord and Savior of my Help life Help me to today. walk with you. Help me to walk with you. All the you. days of my life. All the days of my life. In, in your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.